here's hoping that you are happy. In a moment, happiness coach and author of Whole Person Happiness, How to Be Well in Body, Mind, and Spirit, Paul Krismer, will join us. In a paper published by the American Psychological Association, researchers conducted a series of experiments involving almost 6,000 participants. It explored how accurate people are at estimating how much others might appreciate an attempt to connect and what factors might play into that level of appreciation. In one experiment, half the participants were asked to recall the last time they reached out to somebody in their social circle. You know, just because, just to catch up. You know, sending a, an email or a text or, or a phone call after a prolonged period of not interacting with them. The rest of the participants were asked to recall a similar situation where somebody reached out to them. And then those involved in this were asked to indicate on a seven-point scale, one, not at all, seven, to a great extent, how much either they or the person they reached out to, depending on their condition, appreciated, felt grateful, felt thankful, or felt pleased by the contact. And then a surprising result followed. People who recalled reaching out thought the gesture that they recalled was significantly less appreciated than those that recalled receiving a communication. In the second experiment, participants sent a short note or a, a note with a small gift to somebody in their social circle with whom they had not interacted with in a while. Now, rather than that text or call, and again, both groups were asked for that rating of appreciation. Across all experiments, those who initiated the communication significantly underestimated the extent to which recipients would appreciate the act of reaching out. The researchers also found one interesting variable that affected how much a person appreciated a reach out. They found that people receiving the communication placed greater focus than those initiating the communication on the surprise element. And this heightened focus on surprise was associated with higher appreciation. Paul, what does this tell us about happiness and about reaching out? It tells me that we should do it a whole lot more. Hi, Richard. Yeah, you're, you're totally right on that one, sir. It is just so fundamental to who we are as a species that we just, being in relationship with other people is just how we exist. And we know it's good for our physical and mental health and probably has long, long roots back in our ancient ancestry as we evolved as a species to just belong to a tribe. And when we're feeling really connected, we tend to be happy. It's tough last couple of years, Paul Christopher, happiness coach, author of Whole Person Happiness, How to Be Well in Body, Mind, and Spirit. We have reached out, Zoom, etc. But I'll tell you, um, a couple of weeks ago, was able to go to the Winnipeg Folk Fest and first time in two years, listen to music, connect with people outside and seeing people I hadn't seen in two and a half years. And, you know, the smiles on people's faces, it just, to me, tells us that, no, we haven't lost the handshake and yes, we need that personal interaction. We need to reach out and touch someone. 
you're so right, Richard. And I love that reflection. You, you reached me tonight, actually, in Sycamore, British Columbia, where I've just arrived for a music festival that starts tomorrow night. So I can totally relate to that experience. And what you're observed is that you weren't probably showing up in Winnipeg to necessarily see a whole bunch of your best friends ever and it had been forever since you'd seen them. What we missed the most through COVID is what psychologists sometimes call weak ties. It's, it's the quick and instant relationship you have with the barista or the cashier or the, the casual acquaintance you make at a music festival. And that brings so much richness to our lives. And from a chemical perspective, it's frankly, it's the same oxytocin rich experience that we have when we see somebody that we've known forever. So all those kind of informal relationships that you do in casual getting together with other people is super important for us. And we have totally missed that. Hmm. So it's that validity. That's that whole idea of just being out there and, and, and the spontaneity of it all, right? 100%, for sure. And, and, you know, it's funny sometimes the more contrived, contrived might be the wrong word for it, but the more formalized get-togethers that we sometimes have uh, lack that enjoyment that we sometimes get from the, the discovery, the, the, the sense, of, sense of exactly to your word, spontaneity, that when, when we meet somebody who's a stranger to us and we have a quick conversation, and, and there's just a spark of connection. That is always a really special little bond. And we may not remember it days from now, but in the moment, it feels fantastic. Can happiness um, be different to different people based on their personality, et cetera? Because, uh, you know, I'm, I, I love what I do. I absolutely love what I do. But every once in a while, while I am, you know, very outgoing on radio... At times, I just want to be by myself, but I'm happy by myself. But, you know, I, 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 sometimes I need to, to interact, but other times I just need to kind of, you know, put the blanket around me and, and just chill. Um, so I wonder, you know, it, it really depends on, uh, on how we're feeling, our mood, those types of things as well. Um, but it... I guess the question is, is that, you know, ultimately happiness is, you know, I think we know when we are happy, but sometimes I think we think that we have to be feeling a certain way and we're always looking for this validity that we're always looking and maybe it's just, we already have it. Again, Richard, I'm surprised. These are really great observations. Um, from From a scientific perspective, the recipe for happiness is relatively similar for all people. But if it's a little sugar and a little flour and a little butter and all that kind of stuff, some people want more of one thing than another. And maybe I could describe it this way. We, we sometimes don't know what we really mean by happiness. Well, we all know it when we feel it. But, but from a scientific perspective, if we dissected the word a little bit and said, well, what is happiness? Well, it's, it's any number of uh, specific positive emotions. So, we might think of happiness most typically as that joyous feeling where you're grinning from ear to ear and you just feel really happy. But there's also gratitude, which has a deep, deeper, richer kind of uh, emotional expression. And, and there's curiosity where we're just our interest is peaked, which is probably one of the things that's big in you, Richard, which is why you enjoy your, your job as an interviewer. There's also um, uh, serenity where we're just feeling peaceful and calm. And I could go on. There's inspiration and amusement and pride and hope and 
all these wonderful kinds of emotions and any one of them make us feel happy. And it may be that you have greater access to some of those emotions than some of your listeners, for example, who, who might want more of one thing versus another. And let's talk about that because um, I think, and I feel grateful and, and happy um, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time. But for those that are in search of it, is there advice? Is there a, a process? Is there something that we can do for ourselves to kind of help ourselves? Yes, of course. Yeah, for sure there is. But happiness, the research is showing over the last sort of 15, 20 years. So it's a relatively new science. But positive psychology shows that for a lot of people, happiness is a set of learnable skills. Uh, so, for example, if you were raised in a household that just had a lot of expressions of gratitude, then you grew up as an adult most likely feeling grateful for a lot of things, and that assists you in being happy. And people who have habitual high levels of gratitude are simply seeing in their, in their universe, whatever they're exposed to, the things that they appreciate more readily because they've got that habit built in. And so we can teach a, a number of learnable skills to people who are less happy. But if I were to simplify for the sake of this conversation, there's kind of three broad categories of ways to get happiness. Uh, and the first one, Richard, is, is the most simple. It's pure sensory pleasure. You know, get a good piece of chocolate or a, a wonderful coffee or listen to a great song. These sensory pleasures are instant jolts of happiness. They tend not to last for days and months. They don't give a lot of meaning to our life. But, you know, a, a, a good cold beer and a, a laced potato chips might sometimes be exactly what I need to feel happy. Simple <laughs> yes. pleasures. And I think everybody gets that one. The other two are maybe a slightly more complex, but everyone will understand this too. The second kind of major way that we get happy is, is through states of flow and feeling really in, in engagement or in the zone. And, and everybody can relate to the athlete who's, you know, maybe uh, playing hockey or skiing down a slope or something like that. And you just, you get in the zone, you're not thinking about anything else. You're just fully in the moment. It's fun. It's usually got a level of challenge to it. And, and often there's instantaneous feedback. If you wipe out skiing, you know you're, you didn't do so well. Or if you manage those black diamond uh, runs, you, you, you get instant feedback. You, you know you're doing great. And, so that's, and, it, and it doesn't have to be athletic, of course. It could even be a, a good conversation. Again, this might be one of your tools. Is that When you're having a great conversation with a guest, you feel in that state of flow. It might be mm -hmm. knitting. It might be baking. You name it. It could be all kinds of things where people lose track of all the inner dialogue that often leads to unhappiness and instead they're just on task, whatever that task is. And then Richard, if you don't mind me saying the third one, I'll go into a little bit of detail. Pleasure and engagement. Pleasure is instant. Engagement is over minutes, sometimes hours. And then the third one is more potent and maybe almost got a more spiritual element to it. And it's when we get meaning in life. It's the things that we say, I've got a purpose for why I wake up. Um, you know, people with little kids, often that becomes their life purpose. And so it's not that every day I'm on track as a great parent, and there may be days when I'm not parenting, I've got the kids away or I'm on a business trip or whatever, but I kind of know that from week to week, month to month, that being a great family person is my purpose. But it might be any number of other things, too, that could be our main life purpose. Um, and it doesn't have to be overly profound. It might be that I love to, to play golf or I love hanging with my friends. Or, you know, in my case, I absolutely love my work teaching positive psychology and all these examples of give us, giving us meaning 
is not like pleasure that's instant, not like being in the zone that's over minutes and, 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 and hours, but it's instead about weeks and months and potentially years and maybe even decades. You can follow him on Twitter at happinessexpert, X-P-E-R-T. Paul Christmas, thanks so very much. Great to talk to you. You've put a smile on my face, my friend. <laughs> you have a great night, sir.